0: I saw the whole deaf and dumb school healed on mats and I turned around and I saw their teachers crying because they'd lost their job now.
1: Joy is actually a skill. Contentment is actually a skill. These things come out of maturity.
2: I would say to my younger self, there is a life available for more joy and more meaning and more adventure and more satisfaction, but it's a life that you cannot get independently.
1: Welcome back to the Ensign's podcast, guys, girls. I thought you were welcoming Lori back. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> that could be <laughs> true too, but no, I'm welcoming you, the audience on your run, in your car. As usual, we have a good episode for you. We haven't aired the bad ones yet. Those are coming soon, though, I don't doubt. But we have Lori Thornton here in the mobile studio with us. Lori, you have heard in the background, providing color commentary on a podcast with Joe Steinke. You've also heard Lori's husband, Tim, on the podcast. This is cool because Tim and Lori are part of the pastoral team over the church community that Sam and I are both a part of, and given that this is a podcast on leadership and leading leaders, there's a total bonus here in that Lori happens to be a leader in our community uh, under whose authority Sam are actually operating in this community. There's a cool extra layer there, but Lori? Hi. Thanks for coming on the podcast solo this time.
0: Thank you for having me. It's really fun.
2: We don't normally do an intro with the person sitting here because it can get someone way too much in their own head and thinking (laughs) about the situation. (laughs) So way
1: to go. That is... Trying something new. Yeah, I like it. So today's conversation, leaders, uh, most of our listeners, most of you folks right now addressing you again. Uh, are either leading in some explicit capacity or you find yourselves uh, leading by default simply because you are slightly further along or maybe way further along than a lot of the people in your world. And we just wanted to have some conversation around that with leading guru. (laughs) Whatever.
2: That's what I mean about the intro thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No pressure now. So. No, some wide ranging conversation here about ways of engaging uh, your own life as you find yourself maybe often accidentally leading. So first question here, let's start framing this, Yeah. leadership, especially inside the body, how are ways that you define being a leader, thinking of what it means to lead? Square one.
0: Wow. Square one, you got to go way back. To square one. Square one is kind of a heavy question that we could talk about this whole time, because you are talking about your paradigm of how you see leadership in the church, period, and what it is that we are attaining to, and whether or not we are attaining to a hierarchical structure where you get to be the person on top in the spotlight and making all the decisions and all of that, or whether or not you can submit to where God has authorized you to be as a member of his living body, of which he is the head. And depending on what culture you are and paradigm you are living in at your moment of listening to this, uh, that that's going to make a huge difference in, in what we talk about. So we should probably lay the groundwork right now that in our context, we... Don't see leadership as a top of the mountain, ascend to the lone person there kind of um, effort that we make, but that the Christian life is on a spectrum of maturity and we are always maturing into the fullness of Christ and into his image and when you are appointed as a leader or called a leader really all that means is that people are pointing at (laughs) what you are already living into. You just gain more responsibility as you gain more maturity and so in a sense people can be leading all the time as one of my fathers in the Lord has always said, you really do only have to be a day ahead. So if you look at it that way and not that we're on a hierarchical ascent, then there's a lot more freedom and a lot less pressure for how to think about leadership.
1: Woof.
2: Which is Blaine's way of saying there's a lot to process there. I think of like most church meetings about leadership. It's probably a room full of people specified for individual tasks for a season. So you're going to be leading a Bible study. You're going to be leading set up and tear down of a service. You're going to be leading uh, a number of things that is that pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. And as much as we might try to like make it a round table, even I think of like King Arthur's table, there's still a King, like there's mm-hmm. still a top. So to throw in there, like it makes so much sense and yet it feels like something that we don't Assume when we like think of leadership, I want to, I want to assume that me living well could be leading others and living well. Totally. But that's not the way those meetings go down. Those meetings are very much for, okay, Jimmy, the coffee has just not been up to par. You got to get your people whipped up. Yeah. I'm in shape.
0: Yeah. And there has to be a space I think for, um, living into a great paradigm, um, even in the midst of, being a part of a you know human system is that a good way to say it because it's true like somebody you know most most churches operate with like task oriented things there is i think a way to grow as a healthy leader in the midst of a task oriented setting and that involves i think understanding in your own heart how you're committed to growing into a leader and whether or not like, you're going to be okay submitting to another man's mission for a while because that's part of, I think, growing into fatherhood and motherhood is learning how to be good children.
2: Mm. Wait, I love that line. That was so good. Just the the paradigm of learning to be a good mother or father requires you to learn how to be a good son or daughter. Yeah. And how that could apply to leadership.
0: Yeah. So you can find yourself contentedly submitting to the the leadership that's in place and the and the order of the house that those leaders have put into place in just a a very wholesome kind of way in your own heart right and that and that creates a stability that people are really going to rely on because you feel dependable and trustworthy and you don't have Mm -hmm. to be the the king of the kingdom right
2: okay do i we want to get a rolling on what you are touching on and submitting here. I think a little bit later, I'm thinking of the guy who goes, Laura, the person you just described me letting that other leader lead doesn't exist. Like I feel as though I'm the most mature person that I am aware of at least. And it's probably the case that you're not aware that there are more mature people around, but that's okay. Um, to made up person who I'll call Jimmy like <laughs> what do you what do you offer to that that person who goes there's no one for me to follow right now like what how do I become a better leader if I'm not able to learn from someone or, or practice that
0: um, without knowing Jimmy's Particular situation.
2: You could actually make it up. I, it's very hypothetical.
0: <laughs> my uh, my instinct is well, that's just super prideful.
1: <laughs> if we were,
0: <laughs> if we were just going to call it as it is, like um, to assume that in your entire town there is no one who has a maturity in the the ways of Jesus that is higher than yours um, is really prideful.
2: Okay, but what if Jimmy's like but Paul, no, I've, come back to Earth? I've,
0: <laughs> I've, been, I've been Jimmy, and so I can address right.
1: myself and go, first of all, w- like allow yourself to think of how horrible that would be if that were actually true. Like, what, what a terrible thing if you were uh, the, the peak around. Like, first of all, it would mean the peak was short if you did some frank evaluation. Also, that people actually didn't have a life with God out of which they could lead you. Again, this gets back to this paradigmatic stuff where you're like, "Oh." But I also go, "Hey, Jimmy slash Blaine, when he was 18 years old." (laughs) Um, That's a nice comfortable distance from you now. 22. Um, I know. Less comfortable. (laughs) I would say about 23. This had blown up enough that I was like beginning to realize but like part of the blow up had to be let's say you feel like you're the most mature person in your world or let's say people are identifying you as the most mature person which often happens and can be worse where it's like you seem to have a bit of a life with god you start leading just go like there is just such there's one the orphan right there going like you're right it's up to me therefore i'm going to pick it up and start going I didn't ask the question of like, that's true. Let me turn to my father whose resources are available, my heavenly father, and ask, do you want me to meet any of these needs? And also, this is like, the one other thing I said young Blaine is, Dan Allender's provocative line of to help someone apart from God is demonic. So if you are like, you're the most capable person around, somebody has to be doing it. Dear God, these are all sounding really alarming to me. Like, I'm going to jump in, go... Like on whose terms? On what timing? You've just, it sounds like Blaine, which you've done more than once, It's decided this is the time for this church to change. This is the time for this person to change. I'm gonna get it done. And like, Blaine, you wasted a lot of motion uh, trying to get things done out of season on timeframes that Jesus did not put in place and was in no way committed to.
0: Yeah. Jesus is all about the long-term development of people. He's a long-game person. He's not a a one-and-done kind of guy. He loves the process, and in fact, like he—he is the God of process. He—he has won the victory. He's winning the victory, and he will win the victory. Like the the whole thing is a—is a. I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. And so we 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 tend to rush through things so quickly that I think we miss a lot of the goodness of what God is doing in our hearts. And, and as we get, I think you age out of this a lot. I feel like as I get older, I look back and I'm like, oh, if I would have just held the reins back a little bit, I would have been able to see what God was doing all those years, Jesus is building his church. And it's not up to us to try to take down the whole thing and rebuild it back up. But there are ways that we can apply kingdom principles to the life that we're living now inside the context that we're living now. And one of those things, like we said before, is in order to be a good father, you have to know how to be a good son. So I think understanding that in the body of Christ with Christ as the head, we are joined together with in in like joint to joint ligaments and to find the people that are the bloodline for you, right? That you can link arms with and that can be no matter where you are in your spiritual journey that you can be linked up with because that is the safeguard against I am the boss of my own kingdom. There that you you are linked up with other people and they can help you interpret the voice of the Lord. They can help you if our if our journey with God is just me and God and no one else and people are pushing you into that. You are the most mature person here and so you have to lead everything without having leaders in your own life that that to me is a real danger zone like we have to have people that are speaking into our lives that have a measure of maturity ahead of us so that we gain an understanding from other people about how to hear the voice of the Lord, to grow in discernment, to be equipped for the work of the ministry. There are those people out there, and one of the first things that we should do to have a healthy leadership culture is to go out and find those people. If they're not inside your context, start praying and God will bring them to you because this is one of the principles of the kingdom. It's it's why Tim, when he, we got pregnant with our first child, we were living in an apartment and we knew that it was time for us to leave and it felt like one of those big transition moments. And he said, I want to move to this town because it's closer to my father and it's closer to a person that I can see is fathering me in the Lord. And I feel... I feel like I can't be a good physical father to my new daughter without submitting myself to the fathering of, a, of, a, of another man and leaning into being a son. And that has been probably the, one of the most fruitful decisions in our life and our leadership development that we've ever made. So I think that's really, really huge and something that can, a principle of the kingdom that can be lived out no matter what your context is.
2: So good. I want to distill it down to, if someone were to ask you, how do I become a better leader? Mm-hmm. Your answer is, well, how are your relationships? What does your relational yes. world look like? And how yes. are you growing in that area? Yes. And if someone's saying, I'm the only one, then mm-hmm. that's a, that's a very abandoned posture, yeah, actually.
0: We ask people a lot, actually, a lot of people ask us this. and and one of my first questions, I think it's because I'm a mama. I'm a mama heart. I have, you know, and I, I want I want the kids to be healthy. <laughs> but one of the first questions that I ask is, Tell me about who you've given permission to, to speak into your life, and not just speak in with opinions, but who leads you to Jesus, who whose words have more weight than anyone else's. Who are your joint-to-joint connections that you're tethered to? Because we've all met, um, and I've been one for a long time, people that, you know, it was just me and God, and I lived up in the, you know, the, the spiritual Clouds of high holy angelness. <laughs> and I was, I had no tether, and I felt very, I had, I, my fathers and the Lord told me this because they knew how to speak the truth to me in a way that was very helpful. Told me that I felt very unstable. I felt very um, untethered. And so being tethered to people is really, really key in healthy leadership. And that should be something that follows us for our whole lives. And another thing that I would ask is, tell me about your love relationship with God. How are you cultivating your inner life of worship is one of my very favorite questions. Tell me how you fell in love with Jesus, not just how you met him and how you became a Christian, but how did you fall in love with Jesus? And how is that relationship growing? What are the things that you're doing to tend the garden of your life of worship with God? If you're a leader, you can't give away anything that you're not already walking in. Paul is just constantly telling Timothy and other leaders, be an example to the flock you live in as an example to the flock you you know your lives are sounding forth these are all this is all language of modeling and of exampling and of bringing people you know leaders like we said before it's it's a journey of maturity you're inviting people into what you already walk in it, it's not something that is just a positional thing it's it's what it's what you already walk in so people will start to to follow you when they see that you have something that they desire in their own relationship with God. So how we're cultivating our own friendship with Jesus permission, what level of permission have we given to the Holy spirit and how are we developing our friendship with the Holy spirit? All of those things, uh, really solidify us in our, in our leadership journeys sonship how are we growing in our sonship right like that's the thing that makes us stable that's the thing that becomes where we don't need someone else to need us but when we were walking in our sonship we start to understand that it is the fathering of the lord that anchors us and it's his love that anchors us we understand ourselves as beloved and i can tell you the truth blaine because i don't need you to respond in a particular way. I'm going to be working for you now just for your joy, not because of how you can serve me. And that's all something that happens out of the foundational sonship that you walk in. This is epic. This it's fun to talk about. <laughs>
1: it's so good. One of the things I'm struck by is that the wonderful thing is that were you to ask the same question to other qualified people, you'll get the same answer because there aren't new things in the kingdom. And I'm just, you know, been returning recently, Dallas Willard, The Divine Conspiracy. yeah, And the two things I will note are, I love his acknowledgments at the beginning of the book, really important section where here's this brilliant person that even leaders of leaders of leaders in the form of like Richard Foster go, this guy is my guy. And then you just go to the acknowledgments and you see all of the people that Willard was submitted to, and also whose words he invited, Mm -hmm. who he asked to help him consider the concepts, who he asked to help him consider his life as a writer. You're like, oh, this is a very healthy man. And there's this fascinating indicator that you could just breeze over of his health, which is the many areas of his life as a scholar, a writer, a disciple. He's referencing all these people Mm -hmm. that he's cultivated relationships with who are leading Mm -hmm. him. And very simple suggestion here also, guys, is like, I know the feeling of, you're kidding me, I would love that person. Yes, I want yeah. You know the guy from Jeremiah Johnson with the beard to come into my life and start telling me the things of the kingdom and go like, these things are provided for you. You have a good father, Like this is the most basic suggestion, but ask regularly, persistently, in your life of prayer with God, that these people would be pointed out to you who can provide area to area leadership, you won't be disappointed True. in what ends up happening. You like, might
2: be surprised. Now, I appreciate this about Morgan's session at bootcamp where he shows the Uncle Argyle clip in Braveheart. And he talks about how that is the mentor arriving and the student is finally ready and needs this mentor. And it's, a one-eyed dude on a horse who looks crazy and you're like rude you're like wait this is what i need like what i have experienced in my own life is sort of a a formula for what that person or relationship is going to look like i'm going to feel a certain way mostly comfortable they're going to make me feel cool about the fact that i know them and it's like all of these things that i've sort of made as hurdles for a relationship like that and to go, oh, like you, you you are not helping yourself by putting those in place. And sometimes that person might be kind of an Uncle Argyle. They might be kind of a funky one-eyed dude who's a little odd, but it might be what you need if you're open to it. And so There's just mm-hmm. that part of me that needs to speak to that part of the people that go, yeah. I don't have that. I'd love that. And they go when it comes, you might be surprised. Yeah. Be open to that.
0: And that's such a fun space for humility to grow. <laughs> because again, like that pride of, but not you, right? Like, why not? Why not you? Like, why not? Why, why wouldn't there be something in in someone that you could glean for the kingdom, right? Like, why, why wouldn't there be? So I, I love that, Sam. That's so, that's so great. And it also just really puts some pressure on us to practice our hospitality skills because a lot of people these days don't know how to have real person-to-person relationships and that when you see someone, like, you know, some key things to look for would be like when this person keep, starts writing into your life, like, Is there some growing mutual affection? Do you have fun together? Do you like being together? Do you see things in that person that you would like to grow into? And have you invited that person over for dinner? Find out what their favorite dinner is and make it for them. Offer to watch their kids if they have kids. Offer to serve a little bit and get yourself into their life. And this is like stuff that I feel like generations before us have really understood how to how to make friends. But our our generation and the generation before us don't or after us. I don't know. I don't know. Younger people, younger people don't really understand a lot of or haven't been taught, I should say, how to develop friendships and how to ask with their words, would you spend some time with me? could you come over and have dinner? Would you mind asking me questions about my life? By the way, and at, this is, of course, as you've grown in relationship together and you've grown in friendship and trust, because that doesn't come immediately. It, it, it takes a while. And you've grown in trust. I see that you have a lot to offer me. I would like to, I, I want you to know that when I talk to you about things. Your words have more weight than other people's and using your words to communicate with people. These are all really good ways to start moving towards finding the people in your life who are real people that can speak into your life and help develop you as a healthy leader and, and not just as a leader, but just as a, as a person who loves Jesus.
2: This is an aside. Yes. There's this, this is part of my heart that goes into this episode that asks the question that we're trying to answer. Yeah. And it says, how do I become a better leader? And it hears the kingdom answer and it goes, rats. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why? like genuinely the young part of me goes, why? It, it is, it, it is the right answer. And it is all of the ways that you need to be growing and maturing in these different areas of your life, relationships, your walk with Jesus. Like it's not a, oh, you want to be a phenomenal leader? Read these three books and practice this one tip. And then you will be a good leader. Go to
0: this university and get this degree, go get this training, and then you're good to go. Get a master's
2: degree in leadership.
0: Like, these are the th- kinds of things that you can't see. Like the things that Paul put in his like lists of things to look for, for good leaders, when he was training Timothy, they're not things that you can see on a resume. There are things that you see through relationship that they're spoken well of, that they've been on, by both people in the church and out of the church, that they have a passionate relationship with God, that they're being nourished by the truth of god's word all the time and nourishing isn't about like oh you're reading your bible so you can give a good teaching like nourishing is something for your own soul right so he was telling timothy make sure you're nourished how is how are you cultivating your inner life with god and so and do they have healthy families do they have because how can you have a healthy church if you don't have a healthy natural family that's a whole other um, Podcast, but all of those elements of identify that are identifiers for healthy leaders are are nothing that you can read on a resume. They're all things that only happen through time spent together. And if you're walking alone in the kingdom with just you and God, how will anyone ever get to know those things? Not just to name what they're seeing for other people's benefit of like, yes, I endorse you as a leader, but also for your own benefit, for somebody to say, I see you, Blaine. I see the way that you're walking with God. I see the way that you're fighting for your family. I see you, Sam. I see the way that you're leading Susie. And I see all, all of those things. Like you need people who are able to identify that and call, and call it out of you because that, Getting the voice of the Father from a person—that's a father's blessing. Getting that blessing from a person is what helps solidify it in this in the spiritual. You know, it helps you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying the same thing. Boom.
1: Next thing that you were talking about. Yeah. There are real podcasts in each one of these things. Think, <laughs> but the, you know, you shifted. I don't know, five ten minutes ago between these two points. Yes. First of which was the people that you're submitting to. The next was your life with God. We can sense the discipleship series coming, guys, which is going to be awesome and really, really helpful. But it's just kind of the most basic thing of, great. uh, Are you increasingly, increasingly in your season? Structuring your life to resource yourself in the kingdom under the leadership of Jesus and alignment with the Holy Spirit. All these things sound like blah, 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 blah. No, it's awesome. We're talking about like, is your life living the life that Jesus lived? What are the rhythms that allow you to do that? Right. This is what equips you to do anything in the story going on, like not just lead we could start with like you'll survive this way uh then you'll like have a life with God this way and then as a consequence you actually have something worth sharing with people this needs to be its own thing but like if you were just to talk about to someone who's leading here are a few things that you might want to consider should be a part of your life with God increasingly what are things that you would name
0: Oh, that's a great question. There's so many because it's so individual. I I feel like it's it, part of our journey in discipleship is understanding that we have a unique relationship with God. I remember running one time, and so much of my life with God happens when I'm running because my body hurts so bad. I hate it so much that everything in me wants to stop. So for some reason, like. My spiritual imagination, like the space where I talk to Jesus, is freed up because everything else is thinking about my, the pain. And so for some reason, I just have a, a freer conversation space. And I said, uh, he's, He said to me, Why do you keep comparing yourself with everybody else? And, you know, just side note discernment, little 101 when God asks you a question, He already knows the answer. So ask it back. <laughs> <laughs> so I came up with my own answer, but then I said, "Oh, I don't, well, I, I guess you already know. So why do you think that I'm comparing myself with others? Why do I do that? And, and he said something wonderful, but then he said what I really want to get to, which is that if you become or try to become someone else, then I will miss out on the intimacy that I have with you. Because I can't have that with anyone else. So part of our discipleship journey is figuring out together with God, what is the unique way that he has made me to communicate with him that he can't get from anyone else. And it is so rich when we see it that way, because I, I think that our, our discipleship life of reading the Bible, spending time in worship, journaling, fasting, all of those things can just become more rules unless they begin from the space of how do you want to communicate with me and 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 then when we get there an element of fun comes in like dating you know like when you're when you've when you found someone that you're really interested in and you want to figure out what is it that we like to do together and you you start having fun together and you start growing a real friendship where there's a there's it's not just what can i get from the bible that i can give to someone else or it's not just duty it's it's an actual unique friendship that he can't get from anyone else so i think that needs to be the beginning of our the cultivation of a friendship with god giving permission to the holy spirit to bring his whole self to us and not and not putting limits on what that looks like and a whole world opens up when that when that becomes the position of heart. And at that moment, I had to repent because I was, I was using, um, well, I should say I was reading my Bible, spending time in worship, doing all the things you're supposed to do because I needed to check it off of the list. I felt like it was something I had to do. So I had to repent from that. And repentance is so fun because it's not just about saying you're sorry, it's about changing your mind. So when you repent from something, you say, my, my mindset used to be this, but now I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do it this way. So instead of it be, being like a guilty thing, it was more like, a oh, you want that with me? Like, I'm so sorry that I had seen it this way, but now I see it this way. And now I'm so excited to move forward together and develop our own friendship, no matter what anybody else. It, it doesn't matter anymore what anybody else's looks like.
1: Returning to Willard, his translation of repent for the kingdom of God is hand. I just love because he translates it. And, you know, Willard notes biblical Greek. He goes, all of the preliminaries have been taken care of. The kingdom of God is now open to everyone. Reconsider your plans for living in view of this opportunity. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and you just go like, there is this kind of, oh, what? Like there's this invitation and of course I'm going to think about the way I'm living and view of what you are actually inviting.
2: Yeah. And Laurie, again, you are disrupting the part that wants to make it a list of leadership is these books, these courses, this way of behaving relationship with God can be achieved. I can reach deeper levels by upping the amount of time I spend each morning, uh, by introducing journaling by some formula or another and to go, uh, it comes back to relationship, love that it's personal. Like, yes, it is. It needs to be. Otherwise, it's not sustainable.
0: Yeah. And even like intellectual pursuit becomes, uh, in the words of some dear friends of all of ours, becomes uh, an act of lovers. Intellectual pursuit, reading the scriptures, if you're a person who is um, who is drawn to Theology and the deep study of scripture, like that is so beautiful. But it becomes the action and activity of lovers together rather than an ascent to knowledge. So good. I think one thing with this is to remember that when we're talking about submitting to fathers and mothers in the Lord when we're talking about the cultivation of our own inner life of worship. This was another thing I was going to say before I get to the next thing I'm going to say, which is the other thing with cultivating your inner life of worship is like kind of some benchmarks. Can you articulate the story of God? You, It, it is shocking to me how many people have grown up in the church who don't totally know what the Bible says. That's next week. Oh, great. <laughs> Because are you well-versed in the story of God? Have you read the Bible to get to get to know Jesus better, right? Like, have you uh, read the thing is just really important. Can you articulate the story of God? And is your whole life submitted to the Lordship of Christ? Are you continually pursuing the transformation of your life through your relationship with Jesus? I mean, that's what we're talking about with Jesus just being the long game God, right? That this is a lifelong process of transformation into the image of God. And you cannot come into contact with the Lord of life without more life being deposited in you. You will constantly be changed by the inner life of Christ becoming your lifeline becoming everything to you you will see and people around you will see an enormous transformation through the years and um, so that would be a huge part of that like um, what do I need to grow as a leader like growing in those things and and submitting your whole life to God. Every area, every aspect of it needs to just fall back into the loving arms of Jesus and allow his life in us to like grow and grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where all of the sin issues, all of the identity issues, all of the things that have plagued us just they just wind up falling off because we don't need them anymore. Like that's the kind of transformation that we're talking about. That is an inner life transformation because of intimacy with Jesus and sonship being established rather than just a dis- disciplining ourselves into good behavior. Just
2: white-knuckling it.
0: Right? Like behavior management is not sustainable, but an inner transforming life of God and intimacy is absolutely transformational.
2: So we did a podcast on this a while ago, and it feels important here in the context of how you see leaders, how you f- walk out relationships. Um, there needs to be a shift that happens in who you're looking at, because j- we, we need to separate people in positions of authority from leaders. Um, and I think we often think of the former when we say the latter. We, think, we, we say leaders, and you think of your boss, or you think of someone in charge of your small group. When this whole podcast we've been talking about like, no, the person who is steadily deepening their relationship with Jesus is actually the leader in that group, maybe, depending on how the person in authority is living. Um, And for us to actually adjust who we are trying to learn from by shifting that feels very important to shift it off of like, I want to be like this person who's in a position of authority because I want to be more like them and I want authority myself. Back to your pyramid versus body analogy. If you are looking at people who are just on the top, just just in the positions of authority, you're gonna have like a very kind of formulaic, I gotta keep comparing, I gotta achieve X, Y, and Z to get there. Um, But if you're looking around going, who are people that by their very lives are affecting change in me, and then to name them as the actual leaders in your world is going to be very helpful and it's going to be yeah. much more orienting um, and much more hopeful in your own walk as a leader to go, oh, that's actually who I need to be looking at rather than who I thought or assumed. Anyway, just a thought.
0: That is gold. That is like so gold, Sam because that what you just said is 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 that Ephesians 4 passage that's so beautiful that is ah dang it Lolo paraphrase here. <laughs> some it goes something like, you know. <laughs> Wait, no, we have these right here. If you
2: want to do it, we, we have Bibles. It's fine. Give us the Lolo paraphrase.
0: <laughs> um, Ephesians four, you know, names the fivefold ministry r- graces, right? That for, he's given some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, all of that, um, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, to attain maturity, which is something. It says something like maturity, which is the fullness. Of Christ, right? Like again, that's a, the Lolo paraphrase, but that's basically what it says.
2: Be on the lookout for that translation hitting bookstores soon.
0: <laughs> it's a good one. So, what we're talking about is that what what is our goal as leaders in the church, right? Is it to have the fullness of such and such a person grown into us? That I want to be more like that person. I want to be more like that person. I want to I want to ascend to a position, or are we wanting to grow into the fullness of Christ and are we wanting to disciple other people, not to a position, but into the fullness of Christ. And that's one of those foundational, that's one of those foundational things that you can bring in to any context that you're participating in is like in your own, in your own development towards leadership, to keep in mind that the the best thing like the best thing that we could hope for is that you would grow into the fullness of Christ in you that you would walk in the good works that are set before you to walk in that you would develop your own unique space of intimacy with God and that you would be transformed glory unto glory until Jesus returns and that everyone that you are in contact with because of your contact with them would develop into the same thing. You know, the, the positional leadership is a different thing. Like in, in most, in most churches, I guess it's still, you know, you're applying for a job and, and that's, that's what it is. And that's okay. But I think that the real, like you said, the real leadership of people really happens inside The church body, that's the practicum of the saints being equipped for the work of the ministry, that it's actually the saints that get to do the work of the ministry. And that's together loving each other into the fullness of Christ. And everybody can do that.
1: Just to your point, we had Brian Harden, Daily Audio Bible Guy on the podcast a long time ago now, but I love his story because here's someone who is influencing and directing Millions of people at this point, when it comes to subscribers to his podcast, and it came from being desperate for a life with God, opening the Bible and going, I'm not fighting you, I need to know you, reading through it, and then going back to the beginning, starting to read through again, then starting, like, the Holy Spirit directing him to go record this as you do it, you're an audio engineer, like, now start publishing it, and you just have a real thing of his joy in a life with God, wow. which comes out of this regular engagement, begins the thing that is just life-producing. It is Tov, it was, you know, you've heard on this podcast, and it is it begins to have an effect. He starts to lead before this conversation could wrap up. I want to bring in the concept of a leadership culture and uh, kind of the idea. We've been naming things that actually are cultural features of how people and the community begin to understand leadership and leaders of people who are submitted to authority, leaders of people with a life with God, these things that we've we've described. As soon as you look ready to riff, I'm going to kick over, but I'm also remembering referencing a, re- a conversation from a Wednesday not that long ago uh, just around features that become things that I actually ask people when they're leading or they're making a decision about leading and they're very, very basic. At a certain point there are formal capacities that you get invited into inside the church or inside your small group. Or or maybe you're the person who somebody comes to and asks, Can you disciple me a little bit? Could we mm-hmm. meet regularly? Or you're in a church and they go, We have this, you know, this big need. Could you know, would you think about leading our young adults group or whatever it is and there are just a few key features of that that are worth mentioning in this conversation and one of them is just going like everybody there is a seasonality 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 to leadership and it's a huge relief because what you know we have this conversation is that something that like happens all the time we're like Once you're a leader, there's no going back. Like, once this starts happening to you, it's totally constant going, like, oh, no, 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 no. It's super great to identify and agree to, like, some parameters. Like, I have a good friend who this year we've been having regular conversation who asked for, can we have, like, I just need another voice in my life. And, like, we prayed, and then the parameter we determined was, like, yeah, you know what? Like, for for this month to this month like once a month this year this is what feels good to us after that like who knows we might reevaluate or might go that was a great season and it's when you're looking at sort of the way that people are defining leadership it's really great to ask are there sort of understood off ramps and seasons to this and when and especially when it comes to the formal part and You know, things start being asked of you in your life with God. It's just great to go like, someone asks, hey, our church needs a worship pastor, small group leader, whatever it is, a a sound guy. There just remains this thing of like, how long are we talking? And can you look at it and go like, great. How long do you expect that being person inviting me Mm -hmm. into that role? what's it when's it end does everybody understand that it ends at the same time because otherwise you you know we all i think are familiar with the version of this that like recognizes gifting gravitates towards it exhausts the person and moves on to the next gifted person and there's like a very different kingdom way of doing this that includes like not only is it not about that person's gifting it's not even about them all the time. Like mm-hmm. they've got a short season; they're going to do this, then they're going to gracefully exit. All that is good in these leadership cultural questions.
0: Yeah, I think if I'm if I'm hearing you right, what we're pointing back to is somewhat of what we touched on with the hospitality stuff, and one of the nuggets that was that was in that little section of this podcast was using your words to clarify expectations. And, um, I I think there's definitely a seasonality to pretty much everything that we do in the kingdom, because otherwise it's going to get really boring because you're just going to do the same thing over and over again and, um, and have no end in sight. And that is, that's, that, that doesn't pace with the growth and the Holy Spirit's calling in on our lives and also the the in-season capacity that we have for certain things like you start having more babies and your capacity for being able to engage anything outside of your own house really shoots down
2: I don't know what you're talking
0: about (laughs) can't relate but that's only a season because then your kids get older and you can re-engage so and the whole world the whole world operates in in seasons, fall, summer, winter, like things need a break. They need to fall into the ground so that something else can rise up. Even ministries, like ministries, my husband is very fond of saying ministries rise and fall for the sake of the kingdom. Like it, God doesn't care about our ministries. He's He's building his church and he, he will rise up, like raise up different ministries that have different purposes and then they'll fall so to make room for something else. And something else can grow because of the labor and what is hap- what what came before. So it's really a beautiful and very freeing very um yeah, very freeing way of thinking about leadership and about the assignments that we have for different people. So in those kinds of situations, I would I would strongly suggest to anyone that I was coaching in leadership to spend a lot of time in prayer and learn Um, how to have whoever it is that is um, holding your hand through stuff and, and helping you interpret the voice of the Lord, have them teach you how to do some listening prayer and how to pray about things that's not just like, Lord, let it work out, Lord, let it work out, or any <laughs> something like that, but really um, growing in discernment prayer where you've submitted your desire and your will to the will of the Father, and you can listen to the Lord together and come to an agreement about whether or not it is an in-season calling from the Holy Spirit that you can come to a shared understanding that that is, th- that is the case, and an in-season um that you have the in-season capacity for whatever it is that you've been invited into. And you might need to draw some boundaries around your life because big big churches have a lot of needs and a lot of places to serve and serving is extremely important But it's also important to make sure that you've got grace for whatever it is that you're walking into and that you have the capacity for it. Otherwise, it's going to it's going to blow up before it gets started. And, you know, so I think using your what we what we like to call your your big words, adult words that sometimes we don't want to say because we don't want to offend anyone or we don't want to, I don't know, come across in a certain way. But to say like I, I I feel like it is the in-season calling of the Holy Spirit on my life. I have the I have the capacity for it and I'm in agreement with the people that I'm submitted to. They they say the same thing as a yes, and I think I can commit to this wholeheartedly for six months. And then we can reevaluate. And that just gives so much clarity to the expectations that everyone knows how to move forward everyone knows what to what's expected and then when we get to the end of the 6 months we can reevaluate and return to a season of discernment about it but just to go with your best guess or that you you feel guilty or you just feel like it's kind of expected of you and you're going to have to do it forever like that that is not helpful to anybody
2: okay so we're going to bring this in for a landing and there's been so many just single lines in this i know people are going to go like that that is what i needed tweet it um the thing that i want to land on is this question so Lori, you can go back in time and you can say or offer a piece of advice to younger Lori who is just learning about her walk as a leader It doesn't have to be that you give her all of the answers but what's the what's the posture what's the mindset what's the the piece that you would offer to 25 year old lori who might just be beginning to understand some of these things
0: 25 year old lolo was nowhere near understanding any of these things she was getting her master's in feminist literature at the time. Awesome. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. It is. <laughs> anyway, I feel the tears coming. I would tell uh, young young Lori to slow down
1: hmm.
0: and um, allow allow the season to do its work. I would tell her to close the drapes of my house turn out the lights light some candles turn on some worship music and get on the floor and start asking for God's presence to break into that room and into my heart I I wish that I had that I had grown into that way earlier than I have that's that's what I would say